This is episode 50-5-0 of Psychotronicast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Alec Berg and the talent is Derek Estes. You should check out our website. You should follow us or at least look at our social media accounts. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Psychotronicast. And if you need help spelling it, which I don't think you do because you're listening to us right now and our name's literally printed it on there, so I won't spell it out for you. But hey, write to us too at gmail.com. Psychotronicast is the handle. All right, without further ado, Derek, what the fuck are you getting us into right now? All right, so for episode 50 and uh, considering uh, this is now June uh, when this episode plays, uh, I decided to do something a little gay for Pride. So we're going to do William Friedkin's 1980 movie, Cruising. Ooh, with Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah. Heard a lot about yeah. this. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a controversial film, but uh, I think it's going to be perfect for uh, us to to look at. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So do you, well before yeah. we start. Do you even like this film? I thought you didn't like this. Film. Yeah, it's a movie that definitely it's it's grown on me. I think it's I and later when we get into the episode, okay. I'll, I'll explain more of my thoughts on that. Um, but it definitely was when it was made. It had a huge backlash. Um, and a lot of it's deserved through I think, straight America or gay America. Uh, gay and stra- I think it was all you know. Uh-oh. It, it was not a lot of people just didn't know what to make of it. And I think you know, uh, you know, maybe one of the uh, kind of charming things about this movie is it is not what almost anyone wants the movie to be. But it is actually uh, its reputation is warming a little bit. And I think that uh, part of that is. I mean, I can get into it a little bit later, but I think. You know, at the time when there were very few mainstream uh, movies that dealt with gay people, uh, when one of them is this movie, it's definitely not um, like the people you know upset. I think had uh, plenty of things to be upset about. Um, But I do think that uh, if you look at it today, I think now where especially you know so much of the gay representation is like uh, just neutered and just overly positive. Uh, this is almost a breath of fucking fresh air. So, okay. um, yeah, I won't go much more into that. All but right. I'll, yeah. Cool. Save it. Because uh, with the power of editing, we will be back in the future. With the power of editing, we are back. Uh, almost like 10 hours later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny because we watched Cruising and then we had to run to the Hollywood Theater to go catch another movie. And now we're back here talking about the movie we saw before we just watched the movie. So. This has been, yeah, it's a mad podcasting It day. is mad podcasting day, but we're talking about cruising, and um, I'm glad I went cruising. Oh, yeah. No, I, I am too. Like, this movie, I mean, as we get into it, um, I think, I guess I'll just go into my uh, initial Yeah, uh, why, didn't, why didn't you like it, or what's the deal? So, when I went into it, like, I knew about the, the protests, I knew about uh, the kind of controversial aspects of it. Um, but you know, I, I loved this period. Like, I think especially people, um, of like my age, you know, like I was born in 78 and so like growing up, it was like, you know, I grew up during the the whole like AIDS crisis and that whole shift in gay culture and, um, and everything kind of, um, became much more conservative. Yeah. You know, so you have these kinds of like the halcyon, like days of, you know, in between Stonewall and the outbreak of uh, like AIDS, and you know, um, 
and so you have this kind of like weird window where you have like this liberated gay movement and you have a lot of um you know obviously like a lot of promiscuity and uh just a lot of stuff going on but that was we just didn't have you know it's almost like this mythical period of the past and so when i'd seen this movie i had already seen a couple of the movies made around the same same time period that dealt with kind of similar um aspects of it uh so one is this british movie called nighthawks um that i really really love um, and that was made late 70s, probably about 78 or so. And then in like 1982, there's another movie, uh, German movie called Taxis on Clo. Yeah. Uh, that's also like, you know, really shows this kind of uh, really kind of, you know, heady gay culture. It's pretty explicit and just kind of shows like this kind of realness. So I, I really connected with those movies. And this movie, I really wanted to, but I think that coming at it as being a major Hollywood movie, you're kind of, there's certain things you kind of expect. And there's certain elements of it that you kind of feel should be elevated. It, I guess it came into this weird, it, it fit, it was jarring for me because it was kind of neither this nor neither that. And then I also found that like watching it, like a lot of the people, the things that people were complaining about, like you can see they're like, oh yeah, that, that it's totally legit and those things are here. Uh-huh. Um, coming back at it, and I think what really, the key for me, and I think this totally works so much better, is uh, someone had explained, you know, if, you, if you look at cruising as an American Jallo, it, all the pieces fall together. So I think, like, uh, if this was, like, I would not judge this movie the same way, like, if, say, like, Lucio Fulci made it. <laughs> you know, yes. and a lot of those things that, like, would be, like, I wouldn't look at a Lucio Fulci movie and be, like, offended by anything, because I'm like, he's just brilliant, this is so chaotic and, and crazy, but I think there is that, like, you put on like your kind of Hollywood like classy mm-hmm. you know goggles and you also look at like when you look at you know sleaze movies the people watching it um, either are just sleazy or they you know, you know what you're in for and there's kind of like you're talking to a yeah. certain audience um, but when there is something like this that is elevated and it's kind of given the legitimacy of a major Hollywood budget by with major Hollywood stars and then this is like just about the only representation of the gay community. I mean, like, and this is... Up until pick, this uh, point. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, because William Freakin had already done The Boys in the Band, like, ten years earlier. Yeah. And, you know, like, there, there were little things here and there. Um, Al Pacino had done, like, Dog Day Afternoon, which, you know, had some queer elements to it. Um, so this movie kind of fit, like, in a weird spot. Uh, now I can look at it, and, like, there's all the stuff that I think is ridiculous. I can just enjoy as being ridiculous. But I also really enjoy all the stuff that, like, you know, all of the looks inside those uh, those New York leather bars and a lot of that element of it. Uh, is really special in certain ways. So I, I really have grown on a lot of those things. But I also, I, I know when to like flip the switch and just like accept that this movie is just going to be ridiculous. In yeah. Ways. And I went into it as looking at it as an American Jallo and I'm also a straight man. So like I don't have, I don't, I, I can't look at those things and... Um, it's going to be different. It's yeah. going to be different. Yeah. But I, I went into it just looking at it as an American Jallo and I really like um, William Freakin. For uh, a lot of the movies he's done, like mm-hmm. most recently, Killer Joe is pretty good. I loved Bug with Ashley Judd and uh, Michael Shannon. That was amazing. Exorcist, obviously, French Connection is one of my favorite movies. So he well, knows how to make a good movie. That is another like funny thing. So I don't know if you have had a chance to like read any of the crazy facts about this movie. I have not. No. So um, uh, I don't know how recently you've seen The Exorcist, but there's like the decade maybe. Yeah. So there's a scene where uh, where Regan is like you know being. Uh, tested like in the hospital and the guy like the nurse the male nurse is helping her in real life uh, he was gay and he actually killed a bunch of people what Uh, what? yeah 
Uh, Who's this? Which one? Uh, in the guy in the Exorcist, he is one of the like extras, but a prominent extra in the Exorcist. Oh, what? And so William Friedkin was presented with this project, and he didn't. He wasn't interested. At one point, they wanted Steven Spielberg, I think, to make this movie. Oh my god. Um, and it was just kind of like there were a lot of issues, and so then um, William Friedkin ended up like talking to this guy who went around and killed people. And apparently, he was even one of the influences of this story. The book had come out in, like 1970, mm-hmm. um, so it had kind of like been you know, uh, much, much earlier. Um, and there, yeah, but that was just one of those really crazy you wow. know, elements. It's just like, oh shit, like things all kind of like come together. I guess another thing about this movie is, is this, I mean, I know this isn't a true story, but are they taking from the headlines with a lot of this? Is this like kind of tr- true? No, any, not really. Nah, not I really. mean, I think okay. that's kind of like where um, you kind of get into... Like there, are kind of well, so and we in the version we saw, they took this thing out. There, they originally ran this film with a disclaimer at the beginning: how this film uh, does not meant to represent the entire gay community. It's like a fringe element of it. And there's a prominent gay film historian Vito Russo mm-hmm. who wrote the Cellular Closet that documented like kind of uh, hidden gay elements uh, in throughout Hollywood history and yeah. film history. And he said that you know that, just having that disclaimer was almost like showed their culpability in like knowing what they were doing. And there's certain yeah. things that do, they do have little like things and they're like, oh, this is like, um, like this isn't a normal gay person or this is like, a, they're into S&M. This is this French. This is kink. Yeah, it's like, so you're like, oh, okay, you're kind of, you're kind of having it both ways. Um, but it's like, again, like I've, I've, I've come to terms with it and I've been able to, I can totally enjoy it and I can, I think some of those things are just so silly and clumsy. Um, just for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, there's also they did not want Al Pacino uh, initially for it. They wanted Richard Gere. Oh, that would have been much better. Well, yeah, it's funny because I do think there's. I he wanted like the kind of androgynous element that Richard Gere would have brought to it. Richard Gere is also much hotter. I think yeah. Al Pacino Especially at that time does add. I think there's certain things like Al Pacino in context in this movie. I think works in the his weird macho way because it's like this is a super hyper macho culture you know like everything's super hyper masculine this very exaggerated in a certain way okay yeah so having like that kind of macho energy works really well in this movie in this scene but i do think um just you know for me personally the fact that i don't think al pacino is um is any kind of draw and the fact that his entire character is set up to be the lure exactly (laughs) and you're like if you're gonna like like this is gonna be like okay so you're out there with like thousands and thousands of like hot gay guys in New York City in like you know late 70s early 80s and then you want to catch the killer so you want to like put his type out there and even the the uh, I guess well once you start going into the story more you're like everyone else is so much hotter yeah. you know you're like I would and in real life, it would be like the Al Pacino guy that he would win you over by being super charismatic or whatever. He'd like charm you. That would be how his element is going to be. But like when there's certain scenes where you have like super hot guys like chasing him down the street and you're like, that's not real. Yeah. It just like him Even if walking into a bar and just giving a look. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's all I need to do. It's like, that's not all I need to do, Al. And this movie, uh, it, one of our last podcasts was on Roadhouse. And one oh, of yeah. our hot takes on it was how Kevin... Uh, or Kevin, uh, Kevin Spacey. No. Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Swayze is actually a chump, and he's like the worst part about Roadhouse. I mean, Not I him as an it. actor, but his character. Yeah, I love him. Like, but yeah, his character is kind of like 
yeah. And Dalton's with, kind of a pussy in that Dalton's movie. a pussy. And with this, it's like Al Pacino, as good of an actor as he is, as like all the iconic films that he's been a part of, like this shouldn't have been him. Once you get, once you see him from the get-go, he's like this curly-haired Italian guy. By the way, uh, he has a, a, a Scottish last name for some reason. Like, just the most generic name. I wrote it down. Steve Burns. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm like, you are not a Steve Burns. Oh, yeah. You should be like a Pete Steve, Burns. like... Yeah, something. Yeah, it's but he uh, but just like looks like a little like, pimp squeaky guy. Yeah, even if like yeah, Robert De Niro, I think who, he had a lot more sex appeal to me at least. I think like he he could have done. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, mm. um, but yeah, I, I do think it was just it's one of those weird things. That in some ways, if you look at it in a certain way, I, I I see it. I think he does add something. Richard Gere might not have added uh, the acting element. Well, yeah, I think because he was pretty. Things. Yeah, he's weak for a minute. Yeah, but I do think that he. Um, he would have added some because also Richard Gere hung out with a lot of the the gay community. You know, he was like kind of involved in all that, and I guess also how he got into like American Gigolo. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, like just because I mean, it's just like one of those big scenes. I think like at this point, it's funny. This is one of those things that we also lost um, growing up in the '80s when a lot of this culture had swung out of favor, and so uh, things like the bathhouses and all it was like seen is super sleazy. Same sort of things happened. Um, after the 1920s, when people were like super, just like all out, and that's you know a huge uh, gay presence during the 1920s and the speakeasy culture and everything. And after the depression hit, uh, people started the soul searching, and they're like, "Well, we were just like too crazy, and everyone's drinking and doing cocaine and yeah. partying too much and getting slutty." Yeah. So then they got super conservative, and the same sort of things happened in the 80s, um, but. If you go back, when I first, the one time I met, uh, well, the first time I met John Waters, and we were, ended up talking about Angela Lansbury, uh-huh. and he was talking about how he, he used to see her in the bathhouses in the 70s, because people would just go hang out there. Like, that was where, like, Bette Midler and Barry Manilow, all these people, they just go to the bathhouses, what? people having sex, and they just perform. Like, she was, like, bathhouse bat, you know? Like, what? But it's like, that culture changed, because <laughs> we got super prude. Like, it was uh. all opened up, and people are going to see, like hardcore porn and it was kind of like porno chic and uh-huh. these things were kind of like opened up. I think a lot of the sexual revolution, uh, for better or for worse through the seventies, I think a lot of people have forgotten. And so we look back with, um, kind of more prudish mm-hmm. attitudes. Um, and you know, there's a, this is a whole, uh, line of thought that I, I go into, but I th- do think that people do look back at things and they get really shocked and things, are, things were more inappropriate. But I do think that, uh, the things, circulating through um it's a different you know, time it was a different time and i think that you know people were kind of like newly liberated and gay straight everybody i think it was just um a totally different thing i think even like things with my grandparents and my my you know like yeah, yeah even like little jokes like just my grandmother giving my mom and my aunt for like christmas like mugs with dicks on for the handles what yes. yeah but it was just 70s humor like that's just funny that's I think it's like they're teenagers but it was just like i think it's just like a different yeah um, mindset. and these people are not <laughs> these people are not wild now they're like all straight laced and boring but i think it was just a, it was something in the, the air and it was the zeitgeist and it's interesting to see that um i grew up in a time where everybody was prude went to a high school where like if you're a chick and you had sex with more than like a couple dudes you're a skank and like that whole deal so everyone was just like hush hush or just didn't do anything and then I've been with my wife now for a decade, so like I missed out on all like the internet, like Tinders and like online dating and stuff. And it seems like now, working with younger people, um, that the sexual re- revolution is starting up again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh bummer! I just took place in like the one of two generations that just missed out on all of that because everyone was too scared to get their yeah shit things going. go in loops, and there's yeah. always some sort of stuff going on, um, even in the most conservative of times. But I do think that uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah. 
for me, like thinking back, a lot of this was just like it's super interesting for a lot of that. I guess let's let's, let's jump right into the movie. So I guess um, we we start both off, have like, the same thought. Yeah, out in in uh, like the Hudson and. They're on like you know like some little boat. I don't know. It's like a, it's not like a barge or whatever, but it's some sort of like a fucking tugboat, whatever. Um, and then the guy's like, "Oh, there's something out in the water. It's a little piece of shit." Like I'm like, "That's the only litter out there." And it, but it ends up being a human arm. Yeah. And we both have the same thought where yep. it's totally like Lucio Fulci's like zombie. zombie. It's like zombie ends Lucio Fulci's, and then this is the sequel where they mm-hmm. start, and then now it's back to New York from the island. And it's the movie that connects <laughs> zombie with the New York Ripper. Oh, it's like a total like Ooh. you know. Yeah, you could, I, I would love to actually see all three of these movies intersliced. In yeah, intersliced. if you could just like edit them all together, it would be some pile of trash that I would just love to dive into. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so that's it, and then we go to the coroner's office which i have to point out like i was geared up to be like this is gonna be the worst like acting i've ever seen in a movie and uh, for a while like not ever but like between the coroner and that detective that finds the arm their little banter back and forth was so trash i was like is this movie gonna be like this but it isn't it's just like that scene well it's funny too and this is another thing that uh i think helps if you're looking at this as a jalo yes due to uh a lot of the protests and because you know a lot of gay people uh were trying to disrupt the the shooting of this movie. So they would like honk their horns, they would do like all sorts of stuff. Whoa, so they, they I didn't know to, that. Yeah, so a lot of this movie is dubbed. Yes, I noticed so that. It's a lot so that's even similar even like the killer's voice. I know. Uh, so you have a lot of these things that yep. are, like totally if you're like acclimated to watching, you know, Italian giallo or crime film you're just like, okay, we're just if you look at it this way, like you're in it. Yeah. It's true. And then um, we cut to like New York at night and uh, two Two cops are patrolling, um, I don't know, what part of New York do you want to say that is? Uh, I think, I, I mean, it seems like they're over, like, you know, either, like, the deuce or that whole, like, you know, between, like, a lot of the movie seems to take place mostly between, um, like, Central Park and then down towards, like, uh, the West Village mm-hmm. and kind of, like, I'm sure, like, some of, like, old Chelsea and, um, you know, it's a lot of those kind of and it, big the, areas. the thing about this movie, uh, there's a lot of... Um, you know, uh, cameos, not cameos, but just like uh, co-stars in the film that will resonate with you. You're like, you see uh, Joe, uh, Spin- Joe Spinell. Yeah, Joe Spinell Maniac. from Maniac. And then you have Mike Starr, which I remember from Dumb and Dumber, but he's also in Goodfellas and um, a handful of other films. Oh, yeah, Ed Wood. Yes. Yeah. So, like, they're the two cop cars uh, patrolling, and um, they're cruising themselves. Yeah, to, they're, uh, they're cruising both ways. For real. And they're, like, kind of having a, a conversation of with each other about uh, how New York's turned into like a scumbag like town and like look it's what's totally happening on the street. Travis Bickle. It's a Travis Bickle taxi driver thing all over again. Oh, it's yeah. just two guys having a conversation instead of an inner monologue. Well, it's funny. So then um, they're they're cruising around and they end up seeing um, these two like it's it's hard to describe what they, they're not. Uh, I guess they're cross dressers, but they're they mostly just dress like leather guys, but with wigs and makeup on. And mm. it's funny because they're not femme at all. Like, they don't, like, they're not, like, I wouldn't even say they're, like, trans or they're no. drag, because their persona is to- totally masculine. They just have, like, their yeah. uh, their wigs and their makeup. And they kind of look like they're going to a Motley Crue concert. Yeah. Or they're in Motley Crue. Yeah. So, I mean, it's they that. They look awesome. I mean, they I do. love it. I can't imagine wearing leather pants in the summer. Because oh, yeah. the, that's the other thing about this movie is everyone is sweating so well, bad. Also, and you're going to clubs. leather bars. Yeah. And you're dancing and you're fucking and it's August. 
I oh, couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Oh yeah. Well, you'd just be the guy in the jock. Oh. Okay. Well, then there, you have there, options. There, there is an out. I have an out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they eventually like cruise a dude, and um, the guy sucks off one of the cops. You don't see it, but uh, that's what happens. We find out later in the film. Um, then we cut to um, a guy getting picked up by a dude, and then that's when we like, oh, this is the killer is introduced, and it's kind of interesting to introduce the killer, the face, the voice, everything right off the bat instead oh, yeah. of like a who done it. It's like you know who done it. It's like their job to find him, not yours. It is like some of the rhythms because I think that's really interesting too because I could even see that being the like a cold open, yeah, like that. But you kind of get these other things, and then you get into that, and then you have, and it's funny because that the guy, the first real victim. Is so hot, and he's just like he has a great Jacked. body. Yeah, he is. He's like on steroids. Oh yeah, and the fact that he doesn't like fight his way out of it, like he can easily overpower the guy, the killer. I well, mean, I think that's the thing that they kind of play with in this movie, where I think it's you know some of it is like that S and M role play, uh-huh. but then so then they kind of like you like they almost can't tell like how far like is this is like yeah are you kinky? trying to kill me or are you, you like to fuck me? yeah are you like is the knife thing just an element of the kink? Yeah. Or, you know, like, and eventually they, you know, he gets killed in a very Jalo-esque death. Exactly. But before that, they go to the St. James Motel where mm-hmm. the guy's um, living, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're introduced to 1980s poppers. Oh, yeah. And I love it. Because uh, he had a cool, like, I don't know, it was like a, it's like dual, a double, dual popper yeah. sniffer. And he's got like a big old can of Crisco and a big old Dilto in a briefcase. I know. It's like, I love just like your sex attache. Yeah. And then also a, 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 a jar of Listerine. So it's like, <laughs> hey, it's everything. It's, that's, that's all I pack when I go to New York. That's like a gay Swiss Army knife desk. I know. Uh, right? Whatever. So. You know, the guy dies. It's like when kink goes too far. And it's totally a shallow death. It's a big old knife. It's going into a back. I love the the blood squirting out like oh, yeah. in the initial puncture. It was... Well, then you good. end up cutting after that. So you, you go back to the, the morgue. And they're like... Or, the, you know, they're looking at the body. And it's funny because the oh, guy, yes, he's like... He's like the anus was dilated. You yes. know, and you're like, what? Like, he goes through, like, the night, like, oh, these are the wounds, blah, blah, But he said the anus is dilated, and then he goes, like, oh, there's semen, but there's no sperm. So maybe he's, like, shooting. Like, and it's one of those things in this movie that's kind of, like, weird. I mean, there, there's this movie had a lot of uh, stuff edited. Class, you know, legendarily, there was 40 minutes of, like, the explicit sex that was cut out of this movie. This movie's already an hour and 40-some minutes, so I can't imagine it being a two-and-a-half-hour movie. It but, should have been 90. Yeah. Uh, so it's, like... Uh, that seems a little crazy, but you're like, so in this movie, they're like, well, is the killer like, is he impotent and he's just like angry? Or it's like they, they don't, they never really flash really anything out about the killer. Like they keep like throwing like crazy garbage at like trying to explain this killer's motives, which just seem, this is one of the ridiculous things this movie just need to get over. But it's just yeah. really funny. They're just really trying really hard. Um, and then you end up going, one of the, um, the uh, cross dressers. He gets picked up and he's kind of interrogated and he's trying to tell like uh, Paul Sorvino who's like I mm. guess like the chief um, and he, another guy from Goodfellas in a bunch of other movies oh, too yeah. but he's looked the same for like he had a, a 20 to 25 year stretch where he looked the same age it's that crazy like those blank eyes mm-hmm. like what's his name is it like Polly in uh, Goodfellas where yep. he's just like and it's so like he has, has like these dead eyes that make him seem so scary in that movie. Like, yeah, he always has that. It's just his like his expression constantly. Italians, man. Yeah, they just carry it that way. Uh, but he's like trying to. So the the uh, 
the crossroads, he's trying to explain, like, oh, you got some bad cops, and you, you know, got all this shit, and, like, whatever. They, he doesn't really want to hear anything about it. He's just like, this is some bullshit, and whatever. But they're trying to figure out, like, what's going on with, uh, these people, they're finding dead bodies, and they're finding, they, you know, kind of assume that a lot of this is all together. Um, and they're kind of looking at, like, the flowchart of, like, you know, these victims all kind of seem similar. Yeah. Enter Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> oh, Al Pacino. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't, like, he, why would they, I mean, I guess they, they say that we pulled him because you're the type, you're in your mid to late 20s, um, you're young, you're white, you have dark hair. Um, you're about you, this right height. Yeah, right, um, we need to go undercover and turn into a, like, a gay guy that goes to these leather Well, I love this kind of like his whole, like, when um, Paul Savino, is, he's like, oh, have you ever been sucked off by a guy? And he's kind of nervous. Like, oh, no, uh, what? And he's like, oh, have you ever been porked? <laughs> he's asking all these, like, really? It's just like, it's crazy. He's like, oh, are you kidding? He's like, no, no. And he's like, this is the deal. And you want to go, do you want to get lost? Do you want to go undercover? And, um, you know, and then he actually even said, that's when he goes into this whole thing. He's like, you know, these aren't part of the mainstream of gay life. It's just like one of these, like, super, like, kind of clumsy you know concessions to like oh don't get offended yeah <laughs> this is they're into kink and they're like well that isn't you obviously don't know anything about kink uh-huh. <laughs> well there's also um the fact that the the cops never go into like um well we, we'll get to the the black dude in the jockstrap in the interrogation room that that's so crazy that's, but also like the cops like nobody's ever saying like like fags and like whatever, like it's like some Stonewall like cops like coming in. Like they don't have those cops in this movie because yeah. they already know they're walking on thin ice. Yeah. Anyway, so everyone's just like on the level with this. It's totally yeah. It's yeah. like it's a really weird balance where it's like they're kind of like we don't we yeah. don't want to like it's like we don't want to trigger you, but we're still gonna be really offensive. <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. kind of we want to politely do this crazy shit and yeah I'm, I'm glad it's it's like i said uh, i went into it as a straight guy mm-hmm. uh, mind you uh as this is an american jallo and that's exactly how i watched it and i had a great time oh yeah also watching it with you is like 10 times better than watching it by myself oh so, yeah so well, i do think there's things that you know where it is like the the point i think of this movie and the story and why it would appeal is the fact that you are looking at this kind of like this other world, this kind of exotic, uh-huh. you know, like, you know, in the past it would have been like, oh, we're going to set our story in the Orient. And it's going to be like, that's going to be offensive for whatever reasons, but it, it gives you something different. And this really wasn't being represented. So I'm sure, to, you know, this movie, you know, like, yeah, could be really interesting potentially to like a straight audience. Yeah. There's nothing about this, like, this culture, they've heard about it. And it's Al Pacino. So, you know, like, they, it, 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 it's got the I star get power. It. I and totally. He's... And he's like an art. Everyone looks at Al Pacino as like he's an artist. He's not just an actor. He's like the Daniel Day Lewis of 1980 at this point. And then William freaking with like The Exorcist and The French Connection. The guy's making magic. And then Mm -hmm. like who backed this MGM or some shit? Uh, Warner Brothers. (laughs) Fucking crazy. Like I can't believe this is. I mean, I I know why because of like who they got and who's directing. So it's like, of course we're gonna greenlight this. Yeah, totally. I (laughs) like wow. This was kind of a weird period too. I mean, if you think about uh, this, is around. The same time that uh, uh, Brian Palma did Dressed to Kill, which was also like really yeah. offensive to a lot of trans people for you know obvious reasons, but uh, that yeah. movie is also even more. That movie I think uh, is so obviously Jallo, and there's certain stuff he takes out of that I'm like, 
girl, you saw those movies. Like, well, you the black not, leather gloves. The black leather gloves. Like, there's so many of those elements. You're like, this is straight out of like an Italian giallo. Um, and it's like, whatever. I don't like, but I, I don't think that I've ever heard him address it that way. No. You're like, really? Like, I I don't think I, I don't think I've better. ever heard him like call out that like, oh yeah, I've been seeing these movies. I mean, he, like obviously like all of his Hitchcock stuff, and I don't I don't mind that, but I, I do think it's like it is. Yeah, funny he does admit like, that. You're like, this is this is totally one of those movies. But I think this is the movie that kind of period where people. It is me right before. Is that that me peak? sexual revolution area where they're like, oh, we want to like, explore these different things that are more exotic and maybe more interesting than, yeah. you know. Yeah, oh, fuck. What's the other one with William Hurt? Uh, Body Heat? Yeah, Body Heat's right after Rose. Okay, so that's like around the same time and then American Gigolo is like 81, 82, something like that. Yeah, so you're getting a lot so of... So this like, is happening. This, yeah, is a, this, this is a thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. I just want to put myself in the era. Like, how did this happen? It's like, well, a lot of this happened. I yeah, mean, exactly. not cruising, but yes. Yeah, totally. Um... <laughs> So uh, we also get, yeah, Al Pacino's going to take on the case, but he's going to um, say goodbye to his girl in his fucking dope apartment, oh, I yeah. must say. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. How much would that go for these oh, days? I can't even. I mean, I mean you, everyone would be too rich for that. It's too rich. It's like, yeah, it's gorgeous. I don't even know where. Like, it could be, like, on the fucking whatever shithole dock. Yeah, so Karen um, Karen Allen plays Al Pacino's girl. And then this yeah. is another heavy hitter. She was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Animal House, and uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Those and, are the three uh, I Days know Days of from. Heaven. Okay. Like Tennis Malick's second movie. Like, yeah, she was like really on a really good role. And I think she had that thing that, uh, I think if, uh, her and like Margot Kidder, these kind of like, or even uh, Jessica Harper from, um, well, she was in like Suspiria and like Family of the Paradise. I always kind of gl- grouped those women together as kind of having this like, cool like they were attractive but still kind of down to earth but they you know all kind of like seem to come out of this they seem like a girl next door type yeah and then they all kind of you know their careers kind of disappeared in the 80s and mm-hmm. I, I don't well, I mean Marco Kidder I guess we know why but um yeah, yeah. He, he ends up saying like all right I'm gonna take this thing I'm gonna do this thing but I'm gonna come back to you and wait for me and blah 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 yeah totally. and then he goes and he moves into his um, apartment complex and uh, the first person he meets Throwing away, uh, as Al Pacino's throwing away that giant stack of magazines. Oh, yeah, your like church. all those ponchos. Yeah. And I have some of those. That's I, so good. Yeah, I, I love collecting all those like 70s game magazines. But he's still throwing them away. And then he meets his uh, new neighbor, Ted Bailey. Yeah. And um, Ted's wearing a Stonewall t shirt. No, 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 no. He's uh, Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. Yeah, and that's where Stonewall is. Yeah. That'd be a cool wife beater to own. I know, right? Uh, and it's great. Like, And so, obviously, in this movie, like Ted is supposed to be kind of. Um, you're like you know mainstream gay you know he's supposed to be kind of like maybe the uh alternative to you know this kind of like transgressive element and he's like trying to write he's writing a he's a playwright and you know he has a boyfriend and you know but um his apartment's awesome too yeah he has a he has a great apartment but you start getting like you know, Al Pacino and him kind of start bonding. Um, getting coffee together. Yeah, they, they, they immediately go get coffee yeah. together. <laughs> and they kind of, like, talk about their lives. So there's a certain degree, like, Ted talks about his whole life a lot. Like, he doesn't really give, like, I mean, not that, um, you know, Steve is going to talk about his whole thing he's undercover. But it's funny how much, like, Ted just, like, he just kind of talks mm-hmm. and talks. And you're like, God, he might be a bore. Yeah. But um, you do kind of start getting the impression, um, and it comes in more in the movie, that... Um, there's actually a thing right before this when Al Pacino's talking to Karen Allen. He t- says he's going to go undercover. And, you know, she's like, your father called, blah, blah, blah. And 
they're kind of this conversation, but he he says to her like, "There's a lot you don't know about me, or there's a lot about me you don't know." Yeah, and um, you start getting this impression that as he is getting involved in the the gay culture, that he kind of starts uh, adapting Ta- to taking it, taking his work home with him. Exactly, and so like you start um, seeing that he he you know starts having kind of a, a connection with Ted, and even to the point that it seems. Um, Right on the edge, it never like dips totally into romance. But yeah, they never you, have a moment like that, like a romantic. It's moment. never explicit, and maybe it's some of it eventually was on the cutting room floor. I don't know, but um, as the movie goes on, you you do start seeing a lot more of uh, of that Bef- that connection. Before we get on um, about the cutting room floor stuff, is there a version of this film where it has it, or you only see this? So I guess no. Was, I wonder about this. Uh, I think United Artists actually originally produced this. And this, when, because um, apparently, like, William Friedkin had to take it uh, to the like, MPA, like, uh, oh my God. dozens of times. Yeah. And so um, they ended up, yeah, cutting out, like, 40 minutes. And th- I've heard different things about it, uh, but apparently in a lot of the stuff that was cut, uh, a lot more of the explicit sex, they say, mm-hmm. uh, there were different avenues. I mean, how do you, how do you word it? Like, there's different avenues of a story that uh, would have been explored that don't get don't make sense um, as they are, mm-hmm. and so I think there are like there are a lot of weird kind of loose ends, and it, to me, it almost to me, it just feels like maybe they were writing as they went, or maybe as they realized how explosive the material was, or I know he had uh, the writer John Retchy who wrote like this really dynamite book called. Uh, City of Night, and he yeah. was actually, he's a writer, but also a male prostitute, and he, for years, I mean, he even, like, in his 50s, he'd go back and just, like, hustle, you know, uh-huh. he's a, a well-known writer, really handsome guy, um, and that book, it came out in the early 60s, so he even looked at, uh, like, uh, I don't think he, he looked at the script element, but I think uh, after they shot stuff, because there's stuff, apparently there was a scene when they find, like, the first body, I think, and there's, uh, like, a popular gay slogan at the time, like, we are everywhere, but it was tagged on a wall, uh-huh. and he was like, "Okay, you probably like you're going too far with that." Like, so they cut out that scene okay. where it's like we are everywhere because like it, you know, like it's making it seem more like uh, the gay community is, you know, a threat, or that you know, if you get too deep in the gay community, you might turn to start to kill people. Or, I just thought know. of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, or they live. <laughs> like that's what I went to. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think that they're. they're but apparently, uh, UA um, William Friedkin believes that they destroyed all of uh, crazy the extra happens. footage. Um, yeah, and and who it could be one of those things? Who knows? Maybe it'll turn up at some point. But maybe that's um, why it feels like a Jalo too, is because not only with the ADR and then obviously how the deaths happened, but the fact that it sounds like this film was butchered, and it feels like with or you know from what we read into with a lot of Italian. Um, Jalo films and filmmakers. A lot of shit gets like cutting room floor, like they run out of funding, like shit gets butchered, like whatever. So the the, the final product that you see is like miscombobulated, but yeah. still like artsy enough or uh, interesting it's engaging. enough. To, it it's engaging. It's engaging. Exactly. It like I think it is that thing when uh, with a lot of these movies, you're talking about like the Italian and uh, yes. foreign sleeves movies, how they start. Um, it's almost like they start communicating to a different place in your brain. You know, like, like dreamlike, it, it is. So it's like it goes into these other, these other elements, maybe in your subconscious, and the, and part of it is these movies are very um, visually engaging. They're really shocking. They have like memorable moments, and they all kind of attach them themselves in like weird parts of your brain, and so you can um, 
it, it makes them interesting where it's not just like a very straightforward like plot or whatever you kind of have to like you're kind of in the dark and you're kind of feeling your way around but you everyone can maybe feel their own way around and yeah. make something else out of it um, yeah are any of these bars still around I don't know there was um, one I kept seeing signs for the eagle and but I think they said they were at somewhere else, so they kept we're calling it the Eagle's Nest. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other ones I'm not familiar with. Some of them could still be around, but I have a feeling a lot of them might have closed. Yeah. Um, but nothing yeah, ever lost. No, none of the, the none of the bars that he goes to uh, had I ever been to or, or know about when I visited New York. Um, and a lot of I mean, most of the extras in the film are. Of that counterculture. Yeah, so a lot of people, and you know, that's one of those things that they were using that as an excuse. So like, well, a lot of the gay people in the community, they didn't mind being in the movie. But also, duh, people don't mind being in movies. Dude, put a camera in front of anyone's face. Believe us, we know. Yeah. They will do whatever. They're like, oh, really? I can, like, I mean, duh, you're going to be in a movie with Al Pacino, and then they're going to say, like, oh, you can, like, have sex or wear a jockstrap uh-huh. or, like, make out with some guy. Like, Duh! Like you're gonna have like a fucking street full of people who want to be in this movie. It's that that that's kind of a <laughs> a lousy argument. Uh, but I, it is it is that's one of the things that is one of the cool things about watching this movie is you really are seeing a lot of um, a lot of what that is, and that's kind of this weird mystery period. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of gay history is a lot of uh, piecing together uh, these little pieces of information. So it is really cool for that and then, and then you, yeah you really start getting into the scene at this point in the movie where you see um, you know like Al Pacino like starting to go out to the bars and you know figure his way out the bandanas even, yeah let's the talk code. about the yeah I didn't know anything about that code is that real oh it's very much real and there's like I mean it's like now I think it's kind of been readopted in uh, almost a kitsch way or it's kind of like it's kind of come back but I don't, I don't, it's not like practiced like religiously yeah um, but that was you know a bigger deal back in the day I remember I used to have a code for a lot of them and a lot of the, the codes have changed but there's so many there's the, the main ones um, it's funny because when he goes in you know the guy's explaining the hanky code and he's like okay like uh, you know green means you're like you know if you're wearing it uh, in your your left side then you're a prostitute or if you're wearing it on the other side you're looking uh, yellow is water sports give or take her <laughs> Um, I love that water sports. And then uh, what is the other one? And then he does uh, like he like red, and then he kind of like oh uh, I'll I'll come back. Oh, and blue, like baby blue is like blowjob. Uh, uh, but then red is fisting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He kind of steps out before he gets to find out what that one's about. But yeah, there's like ink. Uh, I think black is like leather. I think I think orange is like anything goes. Or that's great. There's a t- I mean there's like gets to the point where like some of the later ones were like if you have a doily, if you have like other. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's the point. It's, it's kind of uh, it's funny. It's like uh, I don't know who adopted what first, but jail is like that as well. Once upon oh, a time, really? I went to jail in Los Angeles County or twice, but the first time, I was in like a, a big big boy jail <laughs> for real, yeah. and uh, there, everything was color coordinated. Like uh, if you were if you wore uh, brown, it was you basically wore scrubs, and it's like if you wear brown, it's like you're you have some medical problem like maybe you have aids or maybe you need you're in a wheelchair shit like that mm-hmm. if you're wearing orange you're a violent criminal if you're wearing uh navy it was just general like you're in here just for whatever. blue collar or white collar not really white collar but it could be anything like i stole a car like grand theft okay. or whatever nothing crazy like i didn't shoot anybody or beat somebody up really bad and uh baby blue was you were gay or you're trans oh, okay and then that was a whole thing and that was that was 
Whew, like, yeah, signaling in and out of there. Like, so you were just more popular. Yeah, for real. It was just, it was, yeah, that was a wild ride, that jail stint. But, um, so seeing that bandana thing, that's what I immediately thought of. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's. And I think that's a lot of that comes down to a, a lot of, uh, just the element of just anonymous sex. We just can keep your conversation to a minimum. Yeah. You find like, exactly who's looking for what you're looking for. And you don't need to, like, get down you know, to brass chat with them to figure out. You're like, oh, cool. You want a blowjob? Cool. Do you want one? Because I'll give it to you. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Like, you want to. Fist me or you pissing me, whatever. You're like, uh, you can just it just cuts to the chase. Maybe I'm sure. Like, I mean, I know there's sex sex clubs uh, exist for straight people, um, but also there's Tinder for just like DTF. Like, if you got mm-hmm. air conditioning, eight inch dick, like come on over, mm-hmm. kind of thing, or I'll come over. So I, I missed out on all that, but I'm always uh, super uh, just enthralled with the fact that you can just. Walk into a bar, if it's specifically for that reason, and be like, yo, I'm here for this, and then you get it. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no hunt, really. Unless if you're, like, a blob or something, and it's, it'll be, you'll have to jump through some hoops. But in general, you You'd could be just be like, yo. Yeah. Um, just a just the handful of little uh, ditties you've let me in on your personal lifestyle <laughs> yeah. uh, from time to time. I'm just, like, super impressed and also, you, like, jealous if there were vaginas involved. I know. If you want it, it's out there. If you want it, it's out there. And uh, it's so, like, God bless America. I know, right? Um, so then we get to uh, another killing in Central Park. Uh, everyone's cruising. And it's like, I know <laughs> that historically people have cruised Central Park forever, but I... It's, I can't imagine, I mean, I've never cruised Central Park, I've been there in a day, but yeah, I can't imagine it being anything like this. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Another, another dude killed in Central Park, and then you see uh, one of a couple scenes where Steve goes back to like furiously fuck Karen Allen, and uh-huh. it's totally like, like you, yeah. oh, okay, you're trying to like fuck the fag out of you you know like you're just like nope trying to prove it because it's just like it's getting too deep that's pretty interesting yeah, yeah. i like that they did that i'm like eh, yeah totally that's all you have to say exactly you're just like all right and even she's it. like taking it she's like kind of liking it but it only shows her face yeah and the furious fucking and she kind of like goes what is he doing at work i know like totally. she has that look well that's he's still he wearing the funny thing is, is even when he's not in the role <laughs> he's still wearing his cuffs uh-huh. he's still dressed can't take it off like very yeah it's like it's it's interesting that you'd think that maybe if he was going to go incognito cuz even like let's be honest even a lot of these gay people when they're going to their day job they're not dressed like that hell no you know so it's like it is funny that he is like a method actor that literally has to play it all the time. Yep. And then he never really seems to, you know, explain to her what's going on. Um, and then we go right after that. You, you have a scene with you know more more Ted and Steve kind of like mm-hmm. connecting and just talking about like um, you know Ted's life and how like his boyfriend wants to whatever and he's got he you know has to get to work for a while or whatever it's just some shit. And then we get into uh, the next killing, which is uh, my favorite killing uh probably it's um in the arcade so you first see this guy who owns like a fashion like a you know like high uh you know couture shop and then he's like with his boyfriend they're like talking about going to dinner or somewhere or whatever and then you see him later that night like in his like awesome mercedes convertible convertible. yeah but he leaves down he leaves it down and he like ends up going into like the most packing i mean like I hope. I mean, I just, you know, if this was totally fake, I want this fantasy to be real. That whatever the sleazy arcade is that he's at. Oh, my God. It's yeah. packed. It oh, is yeah. like, 
poppin'. It is. And so um, he ends up going into a booth with uh, this guy, the killer. And they start, like, watching something. The killer's just wearing, like, mirrored sunglasses. And very Jalo-esque, uh, as, you know, things start heating up and he just gets killed. You're seeing the reflection in, yes, uh, great in the killer's, like, mirrored sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And it's so great while you're seeing, like, the porn being projected over them. Uh, that's great. I love that scene. And with the bars and the arcades, like, I'm just, uh, taken back by, you know, you just walk into a bar and then there's just people fucking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been, as I've been in a, a monogamous relationship for a decade, I've gotten pretty vanilla yeah. with, uh, my life. And, uh, I haven't seen people fuck in public since, uh, friends I had in high school <laughs> yeah. where you just like at a party and it's just like, well, he's looking up with her in front of everyone. Cause nobody has a room or a car. So yeah. let's just get it going. Oh, but, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a different thing. It's like, you know, if you're in, I mean, like, and that is still rare. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen, I actually, I used to see that more, say, in Portland, like, uh, when the gay bars were a little bit different than they are now. You'd see, like, you know, people getting blowjobs or whatever. We see it's it just, like, silly stuff. But Pride then, week, right? Yeah, well, and then when depending we were. Depending on the city. Yeah, depending on the city. When we were in Palm Springs, uh, like, you would see that, like, out at the barracks, where it's, like, a total bacchanal, where, like, people are doing everything out on the patio. Like, a lot of that kind of backroom sort of stuff. Caligula um, weekend. Yeah, totally. I, I, I have, yeah, I've, I've seen it, not so much in Portland, but definitely in other cities. Um, it, I just, I don't know where this is in the story anyway, but Pacino, in one of those crazy bars, doing poppers for the first time oh, and hitting amazing. the dance floor is something it's to the just best poppers watch. dancing scene I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, we haven't gotten into it yet, but the, the, the black dude in the jockstrap in the interrogation room, you said, mm-hmm. is a really famous gif. And uh, this Pacino thing could be something, uh, yeah. if it's not already. It's like, so great. And it's I don't know so what great. that's supposed to be, but I love the, uh, is it that black and white American flag, and it's all shining, and just like, um, yeah, it's, that is awesome. Uh, he ends up like, so he ends up going back home, and you can hear, um, uh, what's his name, you can hear Ted, and what is it, Gregory, like his boyfriend, like fighting, and mm-hmm. he's just like... He just seems like all bummed out. And that's actually out of shape. He goes yeah. out again. He goes to the, the popper's dance. Okay. And then he ends up, um, well, so he had, <laughs> he said when he spars, he takes off and this really hot young guy chases him down. He's like, hey, like, oh, because he gets kicked out because he's at the, uh, it's early in the, the, re- the movie where he's at um, the cop night and everyone's dressed like cops or they're just in jock straps and everyone's fucking and they're doing, uh, it's like, yeah, police role play. And this is funny because earlier in the movie when, the uh, the the cross dresser is talking to Paul Servino. He's like, Look at these cops, blah blah." blah. And Paul Servino's like, "There are more people dressed as cops in this town than there are cops." Yeah, and it's like you see this bar, and you're like, "All right, he's right. He's right." Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> uh, Al Pacino gets uh, kicked out. He's like, oh, "We don't like you. Are you a cop? Like, we don't like you. Didn't change your attitude. Yeah, whatever. You, they just kick him out, and he is a cop." Um, and, and that's when that hot boy chases them, and you're like, bullshit. And like that guy is not <laughs> like in a bar full of like totally hot guys, like half naked, fucking whatever. And then you're gonna see little four foot Al Pacino, like with his weird perm, and like you know, like Al Pacino could do fine, but he's gonna have to win you over with his personality. Like it's not like unless you're in I mean, whatever. I mean, not to I'm not he's a goober. Let's he's just fine, call it what it is. Not, Al Pacino is a goober. When you're surrounded by hotties, you're not, hotties are not going to fucking knock your door down for no reason. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, 
Al Pacino gets suspicious of this kid. Um, and so then he ends up like basically he fingers this kid uh, to the other cops. And so then they kind of like, you know, just fucking terrorize this kid. So um, they go to the restaurant that the kid works at and they're like, oh, they have to serve. They have steak knives. They have here. steak knives, and that could be what they what he's using. And whenever so, Al Pacino goes back out and he picks up the kid, and they go back to the hotel. And this is funny because then uh, all the police are chasing them, and they're watching it, and they all go in like a fucking SWAT team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bassett and Al Pacino is like all tied up on his back, and he's like, "What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Yeah, you came too early." And I was like. Like, oh yeah, they came way too early. And oh this yeah. This kid doesn't know what the fuck is going on. They played pretty well of not making it seem that Al Pacino is an undercover police officer. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was the, the kid, I'd be so freaked out that why are like 55 cops here? Oh yeah. Um, and I just want to see the outtakes of uh, Al Pacino getting into that position. Because he's butt naked, hogtied. And oh, you're yeah. like, this is Al Pacino right here. I know. Right now. I know. That is great. That, I mean, bravo. Kudos and huzzah to the team that sold him on this idea and for him just going, yeah, fuck it. I know. So then they all go back. They end up in the police station. There's this, like, huge interrogation. They're just, like, you know, being terrible. And then out of nowhere, they open the door and there's this huge black guy wearing nothing but a jock strap and a cowboy hat. <laughs> and he comes in. Goes right to Al Pacino, knocks him fucking off his chair, and then just walks back out the door, and they just close it. Yeah. And just like, and no explanation. Zero. There's no, just like, okay. You know what? I don't want one. No, no. It's it's way, it's, the lunacy of that scene is so crazy. Like, it's wonderful. I guess if you can't watch, I mean, in 1980, you know, everyone's, mind, everyone's mindset's different depending on the era. Like, you know. You watch a movie. Everyone's woke these days. Yeah. So I, now we can see something like this scene and be like, oh, that's hilarious. That's so out of control. And like we're cinephiles and we know what we're getting ourselves into. But I could see somebody immediately being out of this movie once they saw that happen. Because they're like, what the fuck is this about? I don't even understand. Like, all right, I'm done. But I, I guess if, if it takes you an hour and ten minutes into cruising to be done off of something. And you deserve everything. <laughs> Stop <rip>. being stupid. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then... Al Pacino, like, you know, goes in the other room, and he, like, ends up knocking the cowboy hat out of the way and whatever, and it's like, he knows him, or I don't know, like, this is part of their their weird long con. I don't know. It, it is, it, there's no explanation Cutting room stuff, cutting room floor stuff, yeah. possibly. So then, um, but it's funny, because then, as they're, you know, keep braiding this kid, and then they go, and, uh, oh, so, uh, they're also looking for fingerprints, because the killing in the arcade, they had no fingerprints except for on the quarter that the guy put in. The, uh, oh, so they're trying to match the fingerprints. Yeah, so they're interrogating and they, the black guy comes back out and then hits the kid and he's like, who is that guy? For and real. Like, and they, we're all thinking the same fucking thing. Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, they end up, you know, checking out the kid and they realize that the fingerprints don't match. It's not him. Uh, they set him free. And then, you know, Steve is torn. He's like, I'm just, I'm not trying to you know, he's like, it's funny because he's like, he feels bad for the kid, for all the things happen, but he's also, he's the one who put him in that position. But I, I also think that, in my mind, what I'm thinking is like, well, because Steve is getting in touch with his gay side, and he just really wanted to fuck that kid. And so then the, his trick just turned into, you know, he'll never hook up with that guy again. So that's what he's really butthurt about. But then <laughs> he gets a lead that one of the victims was um, a professor at Columbia, and they're like, okay, well, let's look at all of the um, 
the I guess the students, I guess gay male students. I don't know how they they broke it down. Like the, the yearbook that were in the yearbook. And so at uh, this point, Al Pacino's getting sassy with his uh, commanding officer. Oh yeah. So as the <laughs> as the movie grows, he 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 gets more sass with them. He totally. Does. And he also just starts dressing more and more for the part. Like when they meet underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, and he's just wearing like that. Bandana, bandana with I mean the whole the whole nine. It's great. It's, it's great. like what is going on here? Pacino. Uh, so he starts doing this thing. He uh, figures out one of the the students he recognizes from the clubs, and so he starts uh, he starts stalking this guy, but it's really weird because it's he's so bad. He's at not. It. He's so bad at tailing. It's like you're. He literally will tail officer. someone and sit across from them like on. The subway and just stare at him. It's fucking crazy. Like it's so nuts. And then there's even one point when like because he start like spending more time with uh, this the student and his kind of deal. But there's one point that it gets really funny where uh, Al Pacino like he's literally just the most obvious tale where the kids just walking by is going to his like dorm and then you see Al Pacino like on sitting on like a wall or on a fence and you'd see him immediately but then there's like a silent film iris that goes down to Al Pacino he didn't catch that that he's literally just like trailing this kid so crazily Um, but then the uh, as we we, I don't even know the the name of this uh, this kid but he ends up having kind of more of his sort of deal and he has he goes to see his father he has daddy issues he has daddy issues and that's also a really it's a it is a really weird scene um, where he's just like father I need to talk to you and he's just like whatever you made me do this sort of thing but then there's also that that dubbing is also super crazy and it makes sense in the movie but it's also super dreamy and surreal and it's a vision he's having it's not an actual conversation he's As having we with find his out. father yeah. yes exactly because we find out later that his father's been dead for 10 years that's also part of the thing where I feel like where the movie trying to pathologize the killer which why even bother doing it at all uh-huh. they're like oh is he impotent <laughs> is it like and then it's also like this thing so he has daddy issues so he has to kill gay people or like he has daddy did his dad know he was gay did his dad like but he has sex with the dudes so he's like gotta be Gay. Well, that's what I mean. So it's like it seems like it's a weird like what what is he? Pr- it's like it's, what are you proving? It seems like you didn't your... need like I didn't need you to pathologize this character at all. But I feel that there's like these weird like things they're throwing out, and it, it just seems it, all of those things just seem a little like unnecessary and also a little clumsy because um, they never really go anywhere. They don't like they're just like oh okay some some weird bullshit. It's all going to come to an end, and <laughs> well, even the Columbia time. student knows it, and he gets all dolled up. And uh, is just going to hit the streets, and he knows Al Pacino's waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino tails him into Central Park, and then they they sit adjacent to each other on a park bench, and Pacino bums a cigarette, and then they just get down to brass tacks and go, you know what, let's just do it uh, over there near the tunnel. <laughs> well, I love these like my favorite two lines oh, probably in the movie. Are just, he's just like he's uh, like, how big are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Al Pacino's just like party size. And oh, like, that's hilarious. That and <laughs> hips or lips? Yes. Oh my God. Like that's, I mean, yeah, why not? Hips or lips? Uh, so I don't know how like, like the, the, the final battle, like he basically, Pacino coaxes him into like getting down to murder mode. So Pacino can stab him. Yes. And it's, like, I don't know how legal that, like how that it's, is. Crazy. And if you had so many cops the first time around to arrest what you thought was the murderer, and then you have zero well, that's the, thing the second time around, that is another like thing that I think is really kind of. And I get why they're trying to make this, but even the whole thing with uh, Pacino trailing the kid, you like 
at this point, like, why doesn't he, like, he's done the research. Like, why Why does he have someone else trail the kid? Why is he doing it on his own? And part of it, I guess, is, like, uh, maybe stuff is cut, whereas like, he's kind of gone rogue. Because at this point, too, uh, Steve, Al Pacino's character, he is becoming unhinged. Uh-huh. And he is, like, because even right before that whole scene when they had the final showdown, that's when he goes over to Ted's house, and he ends up having the whole confrontation and, like, tries to kill Ted's boyfriend. Yeah, what's that shit about? Because I think that Steve is obsessed with Ted. And so he's jealous of the boyfriend. Uh, and so that's also why Steve has to go back and he has to kill Ted at the uh, end. Because by that time, this is the other thing too with the movie, I've, with the people who are yeah. like, you know, they're like, oh, you get into the gay culture and then you become a killer and you're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what this movie does. Uh-huh. Is he does, like, he gets more and more involved and he gets, like, more into the kink and he's into all this shit. And then he gets in some crazy fight with, yeah, the neighbor next door and he's obsessed with this, guy, this other guy. And then he, like, illegally kills the killer yes. in some crazy way. But then he ends up kind of getting off because they're like, well, whatever you have, like, when he's with Paul Servino and he's like, well, you got off on whatever. This isn't anything. Yeah. But then um, once... Like the prologue kicks in. Yeah. Then, then yeah, all of the, then you end up having, you find out that Ted's been brutally murdered in like a certain way. And then like Paul Servino realizes that the, the next door neighbor was Steve. And then, you know, all this shit's going on. And then you have, um, you know, like Ted goes, uh, not Ted, um, you have Steve goes back to his girlfriend, like back to Karen Allen's place. Mm-hmm. And then you have the weird shit, like cause he still has all this leather stuff out and she's kind of trying it on and he's like shaving himself. Yeah. And then he stares at you in the mirror, you yes. know? And it's just like, now I'm the killer. Yeah. And it's like, why did that do that? I know. That's, why did that do that? These are the things that, these are the things that all people were upset about. Yeah, because like the prologue, yeah, once you get to the end and then the um, it comes back, The remember how we talked about at the beginning and if you've seen this movie too, which I hope you did because why are you listening? We've ruined everything. I know, um, right. Let's just say you did. And at the beginning, when um, the the guy uh, is like snitching to the cops about the cops that made him suck his friend off, or like whatever, whatever oh, yeah. shit happened in the squad car at the beginning with um, uh, Zito, there's uh, the cop from the sixth precinct, like he mentioned, and um, the sergeant coming in and being like, "Wait, are you a sixth precinct? Are you like what?" And he's like, kind of like he's like, oh, he "I know you. You're uh, hmm, okay." And then he realizes that. Uh, the next door neighbor to the the person that was murdered was where Al Pacino stayed. And it's like, didn't shouldn't you know that? Like, you're his staff sergeant. I know. Like, right? you should know where he's been for months. And it's like, well, That's he's been a main, a huge case. It's like huge it's like, case. It's like everyone's just like, oh, all the gay, all the gay people are knocking on my door. Like, want to know? And it's like all of every time someone has a newspaper, Front it's page. just like, like Front homo page. killers. It's like again. Son of Sam, but with <laughs> gay slangs. And yeah, when it shows uh, Ted dead in the bathroom. Uh, it's like, I mean, I knew it was Al Pacino, but it's like, why? Yeah. Like, there's no reason why. I think, like, it's supposed to be, like, and there could be things that, yeah, again, like, we're missing, but I just took it the fact that, like, he, either, like, if I can't have you, then nobody, nobody can, can have you, yeah, well, that's or, like, something, stupid. yeah, I don't, I don't totally understand, or, like, you know, I mean, the thing with the pathology of the, the, the main killer, and he's just like, you made me do this. Or you yeah. Just like, and you're like, like well, why? Who, wh- why did they make you, like, I don't know, it's it's weird. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird, and especially that Al Pacino starts off, the first glimpse you get of him is like, he's like the straight-laced kind of um, rookie-ish looking cop. Maybe he's been on the force for a couple years. He's a goober. He lives with his chick, and like, everything's hunky-dory, and then all of a sudden he goes undercover for like three months, and now he's like a murderous gay killer. Yeah. Cruising. It is. I mean, 
you know, they final did. thoughts. I, I really enjoy this movie. I actually, I, I, as much as I like was, I had a lot of problems with it when I first saw it. The more I watch it now, I, I like it a lot more. But I also just know how I need to take how it. How you need to like it. Yeah. Not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff I think is really cool. I think it is like, um, overall, I think it, it looks beautiful. I think it's a lot of like the cinematography. I think it looks really dynamite. There's a lot of uh, cool stuff. But yeah, there's definitely like, you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And um, another thing that I'm sure people were upset about is uh, after the uh, the killer, I mean, the original killer isn't murdered. He's just like wounded. And then he's in uh, That's right. the hospital bed. And they're like basically talking plea deal here. It's like mm-hmm. if you, hey, we got you on this. So you're going to do 20 years. But if you confess to the killing of this guy, this guy, and whatever else, the other eight, they like don't even say the names. It's like, we can get you down to eight. And it's yeah. like, for a multi like basically you're a serial killer that you're just yeah. trying to work down to eight. It's like, I guess queers can get murdered oh, in New yeah. York. It's like, 1980. Clean the streets up. Yeah. yeah. We're everywhere, not for long. I know. It is funny how, like, um, I think that element does kind of remind me a lot of, a lot of the society, you know, even going back to, like, Dirty Harry and that element of, you know, criminals have more rights and that's where you need, like, vigilantes to, you uh, know, you have a lot of justice. Even yeah. like, almost all those Italian crime movies all have that kind of element. Like, you can get away with whatever and then we can never nail you for whatever. Yeah. So I think that was also part of the, you know, maybe part of the idea between for some of that stuff. Like I guess, but, I mean, in Italy, they said, you know, the mobs ran Italy, so they really did get away with murder. I mean, yeah. I, I guess organized crime was big in New York in the 80s with... Uh, yeah, well, actually, the mob owned uh, yeah. almost all of those gay bars, and they weren't really involved in it. Oh, but right. even like Stonewall, like they, you know, owned that. I mean, it was um, it was just money, you know. They yeah. just they could, and you know, that was, um, is you know, I think they knew there was money to be made from it, and so they didn't really care. Good for them. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> thank you, mafia. <laughs> yeah. For these gay bars. Uh, uh, I guess I don't have anything else to say about cruising, but I know that we briefly talked about. James Franco interior leather bar. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to touch on that because oh, yeah. that I, correlates with this? Kind I of? I tried to watch that movie and it was making me crazy. It's funny because actually it was there are people in it that used to like gay Portlanders that I used to know that moved to San Francisco, and they're in it, but it just doesn't. Um, I just thought that was just a pretentious wank. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It's just like it was in theory in the way it's described as they. Um, James Franco and Travis Matthews were going to film, um, you know, the legendary 40 Lost Minutes. Um, but it ends up being kind of a documentary about them shooting this thing and then interviewing people. But none of it, it just... It, uh, it's a misfire. Yeah, it just felt really weak to me. I honestly just couldn't finish it. So I, I, I can't say a whole lot about it, but I just wasn't... It, I just didn't need it. All right. Well, <laughs> there it is. This yeah. was the first film of the Pride Block. Yeah, we're for... going to do some other uh, gay-themed movies. I mean, it's for June, and we've already done lesbians, and we've done a million... Well, we haven't done a million, but we've, <laughs> yeah, every other movie is a straight per- person movie, so... What a great uh, episode 50. To I call know, 50. That's it. That's I mean... It. Been cruising almost two years. Yeah, cruising for fifty. We made it. I've learned so much about films in the last fifty episodes. Yeah, much more than I ever knew before. 
and I can't wait to see what the next 50 are all about. Uh, yeah. At least we got the next three lined up, or at least you do. I don't know yeah. yet, but I will soon. Uh, yeah. And so will you. Until then, let's keep it purely casual. Yeah. Mm.